you know, the number one reason I probably named the podcast the Uneducated Investor Podcast is because you don't expect me to say anything profound, smart. You're actually here for that dumb stuff, right? You're here for that dumb rich advice, right? Or those dumb rich hot takes. That that's that's the reason. You see, I could have called it the intelligent investor or the theory of invest or some one of these, you know, typical stock trading type podcasts. But I think we both know we're tired of that. And the reason we're tired about it is because once you lock yourself in as a finance professional, there's some sort of Bible scriptures that you have to repeat. There's some sort of verses that you have to take from the stars and come out your mouth to be indoctrinated in the class of the investing grace. Don't believe me? You've probably heard this one. Warren Buffett's the investor of all time. I'm a value investor. I invest exactly like Warren Buffett. No, you don't, buddy. (laughs) No, you don't. Matter of fact, anyone who invests like Warren Buffett, hence will underperform market returns. It doesn't even make any sense, but we're all indoctrinated into this world of, I'm a value invest investor. Warren Buffett's buying private companies outside of the market and using his synergistic powers to get exponential returns. Is that what you're doing? I don't think so. He's buying, he has hundreds of billion dollars he's managing. He's buying 20% stakes of like mid cap, almost large cap companies. That's a whole different world. Nobody's investing like that. Yet every investor, if they want to be indoctrinated into the class, the elite status of being a knowledgeable investor, they must spew this nonsense out of their mouth. If you were went to a finance class ever in university, you probably heard this one. And it's the efficient market hypothesis. Where the professor will literally come out there and tell you straight-faced that 90% of people, of managers, institutional investors, they underperform the market. And they state that the market is perfectly priced and that no one can overperform it, so you should just buy indexes. Which, I mean, part of me has to say, I mean, kind of correct. I mean, just buy an index, why go through the trouble of trying to get over an 8% return? I mean, 8% return is a lot. That literally doubles your income every seven years or doubles your investment every seven years. Like, that's a lot of money, 8%. It's a lot. It really is. However, it's just a lie. (laughs) You see, institutional investors... They're not trying to even outperform the market. That money that's in your pension fund, you think the mutual fund managers in your pension fund are trying to like guess what the next hot stock is? No. They have a strict investment mandate of stocks that they can pick. And the way that cash flows work means that when the market is hot, 
and there's no investments, everyone's giving them money. And when the market's cooled down and everyone's losing money in the market, everyone's pulling their investments out. Everyone's taking their money. That's how the stock market works for institutional investors. So they're always going to have a lot of money when they don't need it and a little bit of money when they don't need it. They're not built to outperform the market. They're built to get the market returns. But then one of the cool things started happening, right? There's almost a chase for who has the best hedge fund. That's where people like Ray Dalio comes in, right? Ray Dalio comes in, his all seasons portfolio. And you see these hedge fund managers get these wild returns, just these insane, crazy returns. And then all of a sudden, the dream of, you know, making millions really starts to just go and trickle around. But one of the things I've recently noticed is the average day person, the retail investor, the person who was said to only like 10% of them be successful and they could never compete with these institutional investors or these hedge fund managers, all of a sudden, these retail investors are starting to outperform the institutional ones. And I think that trend is almost guaranteed to continue. Hi, my name is Fly Stu. This is the Uneducated Investor Podcast, the podcast where we connect investing to pop culture. If you like the podcast, make sure you click that automatic download button, download the past five episodes on multiple apps. That's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Google. I got you, Google. And of course, let's get better investing together. You feel it changing in the wind too, right? Right? I mean, it's not just the explosion of Wall Street bets, an explosion of people um, starting to invest, but there is a lot of apps out there where it's literally only like a dollar to trade, a lot of them free to trade a lot of, for a lot of people. And before trading used to cost $10 to buy any stock and like $10 to buy any options. So everyone was pretty much priced out at that point, right? If it costs you $10 to buy and $10 to sell, then realistically, if you want to return, you need to be buying in $1,000 chunks. That prices a lot of people out, honestly. But with these free trading and with these fractional shares that people can buy and with all these different apps like Robinhood, all of a sudden, with $400, you're in the market, you're in the game, you're excited, you're learning, you're reading about companies. When I was in college reading about all these you know, companies to invest in, you think my broke self had enough money to invest? Literally buying a Big Mac was an investment for me. Like, like I was so broke, but just imagine if back then, like my first or second year, I joined my investment club and then I could put like $500 in the market and diversify in a bunch of companies using fractional shares. You think my just appetite for investing would be higher or lower than what it was higher. Of course, it'd be so interesting, so fun, right? So we're in a world where not only people can actually access the market, 
and invest at a really low cost. But the information, number two, the information that everyone has is privy to is pretty elite. If you haven't noticed, but on the YouTube channel, um, Financial Education, shout out my boy Jeremy, he has been swinging and hitting on almost every stock he's been um, been just talking about. You know, he puts his thesis out there on why he thinks this is a good idea, and you as the watcher can invest in. So one of them that he recently talked about was Nordstrom. I I shop at Nordstrom. I thought it's a great company. You know, I bought the stock, and it's like doubled since then. Like literally doubled. Upworks another one. Upworks the company. Um, I think it's just about um, you know, uh, you know the what do they call it? The help economy or the economy of the gig economy. It's one of those gig economy type um um uh, stocks where if you believe in the good economy it might be a good stock to invest in um but yeah he's just been swinging and hitting and of course the big one is tesla but a lot of people don't ask why he's been hitting so hard on stocks and why he can put out these thorough analysis and put his brand and reputation on the line with every pick that he puts out there and it's one thing and one thing only access to information in people you see before if you were one of these finance guys one of these investors one of these investors types you were alone right it was so hinge you were like scraping the internet seeing all these weird analyst um recommendations but now it's the most social event ever the type of investors that Jeremy has access to, the type of seven-figure and six-figure investing experts that are constantly in these groups talking about stocks, going over the analysis, and breaking it down with each other is bar none. And with Wall Street bets, as an investor, you can literally get clout from just consistently doing the thing that you always been doing. And then you can just have a great time and a great joke. And all of a sudden, that lonely trip of being a day trader where it's just you looking at a computer screen by yourself, it's not lonely anymore. It's a social environment where you get to hang out with your friends and just talk smack about how much money you won or lost on your options on NOI. You see, all of a sudden, institutional investors that used to basically just make all their profit off of insider trading they now have access to the same democratized information that we do and number three the biggest reason is just speed that's what it is just speed retail investors are so fast they can act so fast on anything and they're not restricted by their investment choices. You see institutional investors, that mutual fund manager, he can only pick from a list of 100 stocks. So that cool PLTR stock that comes out, he can't pick that. Are you crazy? Tesla, whose business model is basically one of its own, not planning to really, really make money until just recently this year and last year, you can't pick unprofitable stocks. But these retail investors, if they like the company, they can buy it.
even when it comes to places where there's less hurdles, where it doesn't necessarily have to get approved by the CEO, even if you're working in some sort of investment banking field where you're maybe you're a research associate, maybe you're on the equity desk, maybe you're, you know, one of the main researchers there. Sure, you can research a stock and sure they can buy it, but there's still so much hurdles. It's still so hard to act. You're telling me you got to do like a three page analysis for a company to really move and put money in there. And the person doing the researching and the person who's like senior enough to actually allocate the funds to it. There's a heavy disconnect there in authority. It's it's just too slow. It really is. A retail investor. Now, you're telling me I'm a successful investor. I've been successful for the past. Um, this is hypothetical. I have $500,000 in a bank account. I've been a successful investor for the past five years. I'm in the Discord group with Jeremy, the financial education guy, and all of these other successful investors, hence, around the world, so I can instantly get their input on things. And then all of a sudden, a new stock like PLTR comes out, and I'm like, hey, guys, what do you think about this? We stay up with 20 guys brainstorming on why we think this company's going to be good. Again, global great investors around the world are all brainstorming about it. And all of because Jeremy, the most one of the most successful YouTubers, has access to all these guys. We're able to come up with an idea of what we think on a part-time basis. <laughs> like that information is unmatched. Investment bankers work very siloed. Sure, you have your people that you work with, but all of them are busy doing anything. If you're working on equity, that's the same thing. You have your people you work with, all of them are busy doing things. Sure, you have your industry friends that you can call up during their nine to fives when they're busy, so you can get on, what, a five, 10 minute, 15 minute, 30 minute call with them. Sure, you can go and do your primary research, but you're researching the same things that all these YouTubers have access to. And maybe being in the industry, you have your little institutional connections. You have your connections that can give you insider information. But let me ask you a question. Working at a bank versus being an ex-banker, who has more connections? So if an ex-banker comes and wants to be a day trader or investor and start working in one of these Discord groups, just casually investing and talking to Jeremy, you're telling me the person that still works in the industry has more investment connections than him? I'm sorry, but a lot of these people, especially working the super demanding jobs, are newer. They're in within their first 10 years. You're telling me a 40-year-old who's been in the industry doesn't have more connections than that 25-year-old kid who just got the job and just got his MBA? Get out of here. And the one thing that I really noticed that's going to push retail investors over the edge is the fact that institutional investors are noticing. I have a sneaking suspicion. A lot of these hedge funds, the people who can act the fastest, I'm talking about small teams, um, democratized power, not this crazy hierarchy. These people who can act super fast on information they get. And don't have necessarily that, um, what you may call it, micromanagement. These people are watching Reddit boards 
they're watching YouTube groups very heavily. Sneaking suspicion, sneaking suspicion. And they're seeing what retail investors are investing in. And if you're a hedge fund and you only have like a billion dollars or $2 billion, you can make a lot of money running up the hot small cap stock that these YouTubers are talking about, buying a bunch of shares, running it up and creating that hype, and then slowly selling off some of your position as it gets bigger. You can make a lot of money doing that. And don't think for a second that these hedge funds funds with $100 million, $500 million of capital aren't taking notice to this strategy. So if that's their strategy, then let me ask you this. Who's leading the market now? Is it institutional investors who are waiting for YouTubers to see what they're investing in? Or is it the retail guys? Who is the average day investor who yellowed all his money on those NIO options? And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stopped learning. Who knew Wall Street bets would run the world? Do you believe it? Let me know. Of course, I'm on Twitter at, at Fly Stewie, and we, Fly Crew, have to take off.